Welcome to Beyond the Numbers, where Weaver professionals talk business and accounting. We'll explore a wide variety of topics from tax law and accounting standard changes to managing cyber, fraud, financial, and operational risks. What do these issues mean to your business? Join us as we go Beyond the Numbers to find out. everyone, I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. The FASB standard on lease accounting is having a significant impact on many companies. How you report leases on your company's financial statements is really seeing a major shift. Under the FASB standard, lessees must use their balance sheet to recognize operating lease assets and liabilities, not just capital leases, which puts a new strain on CFOs and their teams to adjust. On today's podcast, we get insight from Weaver's Jody Allred, partner for Risk Advisory Services, and Colby Horn, director of Real Estate and Hospitality Industry Services. Allred and Horn walk us through the exciting changes and the most common pitfalls to avoid under the FASB lease accounting standards. All right, we're joined in the Dallas studio by Jody and Colby. How are you both doing today? Doing good. We enjoy having y'all in the studio, and I know we're talking about something that Y'all are both really passionate about, and that's really important. Um, so let's jump into the new FASB lease accounting standard. Uh, I think before we get into that, I think we need to define what a lease is for a business, whether a public or a private company. So why don't y'all break that down for me? What encompasses a lease? I think it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. I mean, when you enter into a contract mm-hmm. to use a someone else's asset, right. isn't necessarily your asset, but right. you're paying for the right to use that asset, which is exactly how the, the standard defines it, is the ability to to direct the use of the asset and to gain the economic benefits of it. Right. Are there some things that are defined as leases that you, as a business owner, you might not assume, okay, yeah, that's a traditional lease, and what would those be? The guidance actually kind of changed a little bit the definition of a lease, okay. whereby it, it kind of broadened the term a little bit. Okay. Uh, so, it, like Jody commented to, it is a contractual agreement whereby the big ticket word being used is controlling an asset, an okay. asset being real estate, property and equipment, anything like that. Outside of, obviously, the the real estate and the equipment, some things that the new guidance is bringing in that you might not consider mm-hmm. is like right of use of, uh, of land or access to certain locations or... I think the, the, the three biggest examples of things that under the new standard that, that I see that could catch someone mm-hmm. are if you have a data center or a portion of a data center that, that you contractually are, are allowed to use under the old standards wasn't necessarily evaluated okay. uh, in all cases that way. Under the new standards, it sort of brings some of those agreements in to be re-looked at. For oil and gas companies, some of their, their gathering systems and Pipelines, if you're using a substantial portion of the asset for your own benefit, could fall under the new standard as a lease, which historically hasn't been. And then the one thing that I've been looking at particularly is is if you are doing contract manufacturing and you have a, a really large portion of the capacity of that plant, uh, then you may be looking at a lease, whereas historically that's just a service contract between two parties. So sort of understanding what your the lessor's situation is mm-hmm. is important under the new standard. Okay. And why is this is the standard shifting? Why are we seeing these new things fall 
under you know, basically a categorization of a lease, and why weren't they before? So the, the new standard, the biggest change uh, is the old standard would allowed you to take a lease and really treat it as whatever payments you're making is just a just an expense in your balance sheet, gotcha. where however you end up classifying that expense. And then under the new standard, the SEC, maybe I think 13 years ago, so sort of 2005 time frame, came out with a with a I think it was an, an investigative report uh, that they said that the there was a lot of off balance sheet activity going on that was substantially debt that wasn't on people's books, gotcha. and so they were wanting the the lease standards revamped, and that's where this came in and the. FASB or FASB and the IASB, the International Accounting Standards Board, came together, started talking about leases, and 10 years later, we finally got a new standard uh, or or more. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so in, I think, 2016, we got a new standard that came out by both of those boards, both U.S. and international. And the, the standards really, the biggest change is bringing all those things that used to be on the in just buried in expense right. onto the balance sheet. And a lot of the, the arrangements that were under the old standards could have been evaluated as a lease as yeah. well. But based on how they were treated, there was not a, really any incentive to, to do that. So, or anyone would care because if it's, if it's just a misclassification between types of expense, right. it's, a, it's a big who cares. Right. And so now that it's coming onto the balance sheet, and you've got an asset and a liability to recognize in relation to your lease, there's a lot more eyes on how you're treating a lease. So who would you say benefits the most from this change and why? Well, I think that the, the biggest change and the driver of the change is, is the investor community okay. uh, wanting to see what obligations that a company has. So if you're looking as an investor to invest in company A versus company B, you know what their future obligations are. And historically, under the old standards, those weren't as easy to see. You had to go dig into the financials, dig into the footnotes. With bringing them onto the balance sheet with a right-of-use asset and associated liability, it's a lot easier to see what the obligations are. So ultimately, uh, what it's trying to achieve is uh, for financial readers Mm -hmm. to understand kind of what the companies are, how they're leveraging themselves in their financial position, um, and by doing so, you get more clarity um, on exactly how many obligations they have out there related right. to operating leases that were typically off balance sheet now are going to be on balance sheet. So use case example wise, right, what industries is this change going to affect the most and how will it affect industries differently? I know you mentioned oil and gas are probably going to see a lot of changes due to this new standard. Uh, are there any others that really catch your eye as being particularly affected? So outside of that, I would say uh, a lot of retail okay. or restaurant hospitality clients are definitely going to feel the burden of this new guidance just because they obviously operate um, much more physical space and real estate. So typically what they have to go through is kind of an identification process. And historically, obviously, your accounting department is only reporting your leases. Mm-hmm. They're not always keeping track of all the leases. Yeah. So that's going to be probably the hardest step for a lot of our clients is 
getting their hands around how many leases they truly have and really going down and breaking it into what exactly each feature within that lease is there that can that can cause some some hiccup because just outside of that then they're going to go through a kind of a classification of figuring out if it's a finance lease or an operating lease and then kind of a measurement step um, which is going to be the biggest task that they're going to face going forward so let's go back to retail for example um Walk me through how this new standard is going to, let's say, affect a business owner. They just opened up their first brick and mortar store. They're leasing that space. What would the standard change about about how they treat this space and then how they would add that to their balance sheet? So obviously the new standard uh, has a lot more internally, more documentation requirements Mm -hmm. uh, because there's going to be a heavier dose of disclosures that are going to be required and support for the underlining right of use asset that they're going to be recording along with the lease liability that they record. So in retail specific, the one part of the codification that is retail specific is um, a lot of them have what you call variable lease payments a lot of times where they might have a baseline rent, but they also include a variable lease that could be either tied to an index like a CPI or it could be a usage similar to like a sales as a percentage of sales. So when they're actually calculating this right of use asset and this lease liability, you're going to present value the minimum payments, future payments. So a variable lease payment that is tied to an index would actually go into that right of use asset calculation. So just just think about it. If you're, if you're a business owner and you're looking at, at a new lease, and at the time you enter into that lease, looking forward for five or ten years or even longer, and you've got these variable payments, how do you estimate, you know, you've got a minimum that you have to meet under the lease, but if you've got a sales quota that your lease variable lease payments are based on, you've got to make some kind of reasonable estimate of what whether you're going to hit some of those targets to pay more. And so I, I think it becomes very challenging as a lessee to evaluate a large portfolio of leases. If you have one, mm-hmm. fine. If right. you have 20, fine. If you have 2,000, it's a bigger problem. If you have 20,000, bigger problem. So the, the challenges with being able to look at issues like variable lease payments is is it's a pretty big task. Yeah, and probably something that a lot of the business owners might not be used to before they enter the space. Um, is there any education that goes behind this with getting them prepped for dealing with this new standard and that they're going to have to you know, balance these leases differently? Uh, one of the biggest uh, things that they're going to have to address is with their lenders a lot of times. Okay. Uh, a lot of our clients obviously have have banking backing their, uh, their companies. So with this new guidance, it's going to change some of their covenant calculations, uh, and they're definitely going to have to be proactive in starting the conversations with their lenders because um, we're getting anything across the board from, is my lender going to just let me keep going with the old gap, or are they going to make me pay for an amendment to redo all right. the language? Uh, and then on the lender side, we're seeing anything from them being proactive and already changing their their um, their agreements within uh, the covenants, uh, or just adding new covenant uh, definitions to address it. So on a on a simplified basis, if you've got a a calculation in your lo- in your loan agreement that says you have to meet a certain criteria, like say 
assets to liabilities and you add in a brand new lease and now you've got a completely different balance sheet makeup, it could impact your ability to maintain those covenants. And if you miss a covenant, you're in default. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a pretty big deal for all businesses right. to, to sort of evaluate ahead of time how the standard's going to be treated for them and so that they can start working with their lenders to say, we need to do something different because these ratios don't make sense anymore right. with the new standards. Nothing has changed in my business, but now the accounting for it has right. changed, right. and I'm still able to make all my loan payments. I'm still able to do everything, but the covenants that we had before under the old regime, assuming rent was just an expense, mm-hmm. doesn't make sense anymore. Right. So with this new FASB lease standard, how would you see this having long-term effects on taking out new leases? Is anything going to change? And I guess what would you say is the biggest change? I think in my mind, the the one opportunity out there uh, for either restructuring leases or entering into new leases, being the fact that all leases are going to be on the balance sheet now, uh, some leasees might be more tempted to push it more into a capital or finance lease instead of an operating lease. Okay. Uh, just for the respect of now they have the addbacks of depreciation and interest uh, to their EBITDA numbers. So if they're looking for a transaction in the near future, uh, obviously that directly impacts the EBITDA number uh, and their and their value of the company uh, increases with that. I think as a business owner, you might see this new standard and want to put it off or deal with it later. What are some consequences that might come about if you don't hop on this new standard quickly? I think for... Certainly for public companies, their their auditors are going to be on top of them mm-hmm. throughout the year leading up to the, the period of adoption. And certainly they're not going to let you put it off. And certainly your board shouldn't let you put it off. <laughs> I think all the things that we've talked about, about the impact to covenants and the impact to how you're evaluating your balance sheet are all in play. And waiting to the last minute for a public company just isn't an option. Right. You have to disclose what you're doing to to deal with new standards as they come. And so hopefully your auditors are, are keeping you on track. Hopefully your shareholders are asking you the questions if they're not seeing it in your disclosures. For private companies who are much more prone to put things like this off, mm-hmm. uh, the same things apply. Uh, you, you still have the debt covenant issues. You still have things that are coming at you. And the longer you wait, the harder it is to to deal with those things. Uh, Going to your banker a year in advance and saying this thing's coming and here's what what I'm seeing as far as how it's going to impact my balance sheet. It's easier to work that out a year in advance than it is at the last minute. Right. So I, I think that getting a, a good proactive approach to adoption is is the best strategy. I mean, I could see why owners or CFO are delaying implementing just because of the fact if you look it's taken over 10 years for this guidance to actually be implemented right and to finally say this is final this is the date that you have to do it right because it's been put put off for several years so what's going to happen is the longer you wait in reality that's just going to cost you more money right because the problem with a lot of our clients are middle market and they don't have the resources ultimately or potentially just the experience, either having a CPA at the CFO level or even at the controller level to even understand the guidance in order to do the calculations. 
So ultimately, if you wait longer and you bring in firms like ours to come in and assist with it, it, it will be more expensive the longer you wait. Whereas you could kind of start working on them slowly but surely and implementing it can be an easier transition. All right. Well, Jody and Colby, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and giving us this rundown of how the new FASB leasing standard is going to affect businesses, public and private, from a variety of different industries. I guess if you had to leave these companies with one last tip on on the implementation of this, what would it be if you had to just sum it up into that that phrase that's going to stick with them, right? About you need to get this implemented quickly and you need to make sure you stay on top of it because it's it's more important than maybe it might seem to, to some other companies. Well, I think you hit on it. Don't wait. Don't wait. Yeah. <laughs> Don't wait. Start early. There are surprises that will hit you as you as you start evaluating uh, leases and, and contracts that you haven't called a lease in the past. Right. So it's pretty it's pretty sure that something's going to pop up. So don't wait. Start talking to uh, your auditors, your advisors early, and either do it yourself or find someone that that can help you. Yeah. Uh, but uh, don't wait. Any We're tips? Here to help. Yeah. Yes. That's that's the important part, right? Just give us a call. You don't have to do it alone. No. Yeah. I love it. <laughs>